Welcome to Hungry Gen Leadership Podcast. It is our joy to help leaders, pastors, and ministers grow in Christ as they grow their ministries. This podcast will feature our staff meetings, our leadership meetings, and other pastors' meetings as well. Let's dive into this episode. Uh, discipleship, what does that look like? So we're going to look at the, the philosophy right now. We're going to look at the uh, principles of discipleship. I'm going to give you a lot of the scriptural um, understanding as well and, um, and also some practical things. Amen. Lord, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your mercy. Let your precious Holy Spirit speak through me today and let um, spirit of understanding um, just, just fall upon us, God. Let us understand, Lord God. Let us have a revelation today, Lord God, so that the vision of Jesus can be planted in the hearts of each and every one of us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Um, the vision of Jesus. Uh, Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 through 20. As we know this verse, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Now the word all nations in the original language, the, the, the nations in there, the word that is used in the New Testament is actually Gentiles. So Jesus is telling his disciples that I want you to be going to the Gentile nations. And I want you to baptize them in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Spirit. Teaching them. Now I want you to notice a few things here. One of them is that we have to go. So this speaks of evangelism. Make disciples, uh, those who study Greek, they say that the main point, the main command from this, these two verses is not ongoing. It's not even baptizing. It's not even teaching. All of those pretty much lead to the one main thing of this verse. Pretty much if Jesus, Jesus is highlighting not the going, not the baptizing and not the teaching, but the making of the disciples. Now, another thing that's important to point out is the Trinity here. I want you to notice it says in the name. It does not say in the names. Now at first it seems like it's not proper English. It should say in the names of the Father. The name meaning in one God. And then it gives us three persons. Have you noticed? It says in the name of the Father. It doesn't say again in the name of the Son, but of the Son meaning one name, one God, three persons. So there we can see this right here, right now as well. In the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. So we're sent to baptize, we're sent to teach. So not only we should, you know, evangelize, but the ultimate goal is this, to make disciples. Part of the discipleship process is people need to get water baptized. We know that. Part of the discipleship process is people need to be taught. Now, taught not for information, but to observe, meaning teaching so that people can apply. Observe all things that I have commanded you. And then I mentioned this on Sunday, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Meaning Jesus is saying that if you go, I'm going to give you the low. If you fulfill your purpose, I'm going to also support you with my presence. Now, a few little things from the beginning. Making disciples is not a gift. It's an assignment. It's a call. This is not something that you say, well, it's just not my personality. I don't feel, uh, I don't feel gifted for it. It's a command. And Jesus doesn't say that we birth them. We, it says we make them, meaning that they can be made. Or if you don't put intention, uh, they will not be made into disciples. It's not something that Jesus does. Jesus doesn't make disciples. We make disciples. Jesus saves them. And then we have to put in some work to baptize and to teach. It's, it's our role. And it's not a gift. It's an assignment. Where you have discipleship, and this is very important in regards to ministry. Where you have discipleship, you will always have evangelism. Where you have evangelism, you don't always have discipleship. Churches typically emphasize evangelism and they don't get to discipleship. The ones that start with biblical view of discipleship always will have evangelism. Another beautiful example of that is evangelism is like a wedding day. Discipleship is like marriage. If only thing we focus is on people getting saved, but we're not focused on people being discipled. We're not fulfilling the Great Commission. That's number one. But the other part that is happening is that we actually deprive people from becoming spiritual adults. 
You know, Pharaoh did not have a problem with Israel having babies in Egypt as long as those babies do not have a home where they grow up. As long as those babies, forgive me for the strong word, get thrown into a Nile River and pretty much and die. And so it's almost like the devil would rather have the church just evangelize but never make disciples, never have those people mature and grow because then the threat will never be against this kingdom because those believers are going to fizzle out and they're going to eventually uh, die, die, die out. They're not going to become disciples if we don't do anything about it. Now, we have really five main stages of growth or five main goals of, that we have for a Christian. So pretty much God's dream, God's desire, our desire for every individual, including myself, is fivefold. The first one is that you walk with God. The second one is that you walk with God for a lifetime, meaning it's not for a season, it's for a lifetime. And this is the hard one, that you actually finish strong as you're walking with God for a lifetime. And usually most of us, this is where we stop, is at the three. You know, like I'm just gonna walk with God, I want to walk with God for a lifetime and I hope to finish like Paul did, to finish the race and everything. But there's two more, is that you reproduce and that you multiply. What is the difference between reproducing and multiply? Reproducing meaning you lead somebody to Christ, multiplying is that they lead somebody to Christ and they repeat that process with somebody else. And so this is the five-fold ministry of every Christian. You walk with God, you walk with God for a lifetime, you walk with God and you finish strong, meaning your Christian life should grow from glory to glory. You should not have the best days in your life as something that happened two years ago. The best days should be ahead of you. You constantly should be growing toward you maturing in the Lord and, and finishing strong. Your goal should be to finish strong. When you're gonna be 60, for you not to retire, but for you to be renewed to finish strong. That your fruit, the Bible says that your fruit is, that, that you bear fruit in your old age. Begin to think of yourself like that. Do not dream of retirement. Dream of revival. Dream of always living in revival. Now, career-wise, you'll retire 100%. We're not talking about that. But make sure you never retire from the work of the Lord. Be like Apostle Paul, he writes to Timothy and the historians tell us that it was a year before Paul gets executed, he's in jail and he's telling Timothy, he's literally writing letters in his old age, he's still preaching the gospel and he says, Timothy, could you bring me some books? He's in jail and he's still learning, he's still reading and he's like, bring me some paper because I want to write more epistles. And so he's in his old age, he's burning for God and the way Paul died is being beheaded. He did not cruise into a, uh, he did not just kind of disappear into a sunset and retire somewhere in some kind of a Caribbean islands, you know, for the last five years. No, he pretty much all the way till the end of his life, he served the Lord. If you don't do that, you're going to die earlier. Why? Because you were not meant to retire for the Lord, I mean. Jesus did not retire. He gave his life completely to, to God's purposes and then he died. That's how you want to live. You want to live your life running for the Lord. David, after a particular season in his life, decided to retire and he stopped going to war. And guess what happens? He found himself in sin. And so I always tell people that even if you're not going to be in a full-time ministry at a particular age, you still should be full-time Christian, serving Jesus, assisting younger leaders and doing something. Always stay engaged with God. Have this mind in you. I'm going to the end and I'm going to finish strong. I'm not just going to start strong and fizzle out. I'm going to finish strong. But the fourth thing, this is the challenging part, is to reproduce. And not only reproduce, but multiply. And that's what this is going to be about, this, uh, this purpose. Oh, come on. And the things that you have heard from me, so that's Paul, okay, me. You is Timothy. Among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men. So that's these faithful men. So one generation second generation, third generation, who will be able to teach others, that's the fourth generation also. So I want you to notice how Paul wants discipleship to be generational. The first generation is Paul. The second generation is Timothy. 
See, this is reproduction. Reproduction is Timothy. Multiplication is faithful men. And then these men telling others is this continuous multiplication. So Paul is modeling that to us. And he's telling to Timothy, he says, the things you heard from me, Timothy, make sure you tell that to faithful people, not just gifted people, not just famous people, not just talented people, not just people with degrees, not just people that are, that are just available, but they're faithful. But make sure you look for people that actually have the capability to teach others also. We don't want this Jesus thing to die with us, Timothy. If Timothy would have stopped if other people would have stopped, the gospel of Jesus would have not reached us. Christians were very intentional about reproducing and multiplying, which is why Christianity today has two billion people. It, was not, it did not happen an accident. People were transmitting this message to another generation, to their children, to their grandchildren, to their spiritual children and to their spiritual grandchildren. And that's, this is what discipleship is. Now, Let's look at the fellowship wheel. Ooh. Fellowship wheel. Fellowship wheel is each one of us have to understand as a Christian what it means to be an obedient Christian. There is the top and bottom which is the prayer and the word. This deals with your relationship with God. This is your relationship with God is prayer and the word. Now there's your relationship with people and that is witnessing and discipleship. I'm going to delete fellowship, just discipleship. So discipleship, evangelism, prayer, and the Bible. This is the fellowship wheel. This is what it means to be an obedient Christian. Now you can be a lazy Christian and have one of these missing in your life. You can be a carnal Christian and all of them missing in your life. But we're talking about right now an obedient Christian. To be the obedient Christian, you have to have prayer. This is your connection to God and the Word. This is your vertical connection to the Lord. Witnessing meaning evangelism. This is your connection to the world. And then discipling people. This is your connection to the world. Now for most of us, how we outline our Christian life is make sure I pray, make sure I read the Word, Make sure you go to church and make sure you tithe. But that's not what this is. This is witnessing evangelism and discipleship. Now some of us are more comfortable at evangelizing. We just plant seeds. We see people give their life to Christ. We even heal the sick. But it never gets to this point where we actually follow up on those people or we actually preserve the fruit and where we disciple these people. Partially because the church's climate and culture and the church's structure is not built for that. And so, but we're planting these seeds into you so you'll be thinking about your Christian life as prayer, Bible, evangelism and discipleship. Amen. Now, present day discipleship strategy. And this is like this, you come to church, you fill out a connect card, you sign up to become a member, you hopefully start giving and then maybe one or two drops after about 10 years we have some faithful obedient disciples who are going to make other disciples. Jesus' method was different. He took few people, He poured into them, He discipled them and then when He died they flooded the earth with the teachings of Jesus. And so because our focus is so on turning visitors into volunteers, we get a drop effect. Jesus' method was to turn believers into disciples. The church's approach to this is like this. If you come for the first time, sign up to our membership class so you can sign up to give, serve and help our Sunday morning service. Jesus' approach was different. Believe me, follow me and let's come die with me and then go and change the world. And so this is what as the church we're missing right now is because we have a system to turn visitors into volunteers. We don't have a process to turn believers into disciples. We have a membership class that if you come in and after you finish it and you complete it, now you're expected to come to church every Sunday, tithe every month and serve once a month. And so by this you're helping to build this nice machine called Sunday morning service. But the fact that you are not built to be a disciple and you are not empowered to tell your neighbors about Jesus, you're not given a purpose to turn your home into a little church and for you in next nine to ten months become a, like a mini pastor for your group so then pandemic or persecution comes and we disappear. 
pandemic did not destroy the church. The pandemic showed something that the church was already destroyed. Pandemic purged the church. Pandemic exposed that the church does not have a process of discipleship. Because persecution in the book of Acts did not destroy disciple-making church. Persecution only makes disciple-making churches bigger and larger because it spreads them everywhere. And these people are mini pastors in their neighborhoods. Church did not have a building that they owned for first 300 years of its existence. How come it filled the whole Roman Empire? Because of discipleship. They won people to the Lord. They right away were taught how to tell other people about Jesus. They, everyone turned their homes into churches. Your home was not just for your living room and for your family. It was a church. If you read the New Testament, you see Paul tells all of these people and the church that is in this person's home and the church that is in this person's home. That means that all of those people were caregivers for those new people that, get, that got saved and it spread quietly but like wildfire everywhere. And only 300 years later did the church acquire its first building. Today, no church starts without a building. We need to first have a building. We don't have disciples, we don't have evangelism, we don't have a process to turn believers into disciples, but we need a building. And then to have a building, we need $300,000. But to make disciples, you don't need $300,000. You just need your living room and a big size heart that cares for souls. So we, we're doing it the other way around. That's one of the reasons why in our churches what we have is we have a lot of superficial plastic Christians who have become members, but they've never become ministers who have made a decision to follow Jesus, but they were never offered a chance to become a disciple of Jesus. And that's why they spend all their life in church. They never cast out demons. They never heal the sick. They never evangelize. They don't even know how to tell others about Jesus. And they're coming in to just get fed on Sunday morning. They don't even know how to feed themselves because they're not disciples. They're just believers. And who's responsible for that? We are. It's not those people over there. It's we are. As pastors, I am responsible for that. Because I have to follow the blueprint that Jesus gave us instead of coming up with whatever is easy and whatever is Americanized. American culture is not kingdom culture. Please understand, American culture is not kingdom culture. And so what is easier today to do in America is simply to conform. Oh, but people are busy. Everybody has something going on. So let's just kind of water things down and let's just simply offer a form of Christianity that is easy for a carnal person. And we, we offer that. Now, I, I don't, I'm not saying it's, it's, it's bad to offer a powerful Sunday morning service. I'm just saying we just have to have more than that. Sunday morning has to be a big open door, but we have to have something else going on that turns believers into disciples. Amen? Now, so this was kind of the purpose of Jesus. Discipleship component is this, is that you impart, you know, the character of Jesus, the message of Jesus to other people who don't know Jesus. And the goal is not to bottleneck it, but the goal is to keep on going and to keep on going. It's the original plan for humanity. Be fruitful and multiply, subdue the earth and have dominion. And spiritually, it's the same thing. Go into all the world, make disciples. It's kind of like a spiritual component of populating. The way God said to populate the earth by be fruitful, multiply, subdue the earth, have dominion. Jesus comes back and He says, okay, we have a lot of babies right now. We need to do spiritual multiplication. So go into all the world, make disciples, baptize them and teach them. Pretty much he's saying spiritually, I want you to populate heaven right now. Jesus never told his disciples to go and have physical babies. Nothing wrong against that. that that's important. That's natural life. He just says, I want you to go and begin to recruit people who are agents of the devil, who are children of the devil into my kingdom and let's populate heaven. The earth is already populated. Right now it's time to populate heaven. Now let's have children, yes, let's get married so we can have more children for God. But at the same time, the goal is discipleship. Amen. Now I've mentioned this on Sunday and I'm just going to re re review this again. Jesus says to the disciples, I want you to go and find the donkey. I want you to lose the donkey. I think there's two, L's, two O's that needs to be there. Lose that donkey. I want you to bring this donkey to me and that the city will be moved. And so the process is that is that we save people, we deliver people, we disciple people, and then we deploy people, meaning we send them out in Jesus' name. There is three components to everyone's development. 
The first one is the hospital. This is where you are born. This speaks of the church. The second one is home. This is where you belong. The third one is school. And this is where you are built. This is where you are trained. When people come to church on Sunday, let's just imagine a lot of people meet Jesus on Sunday, but not only on Sunday, they meet in the malls, they meet them in, the, in their own homes. And some people, you know, give birth in their own home too. So, but this is where you are born. Home, this is where the need for home groups, small groups comes from. It's a biblical idea. Jesus healed in homes. Jesus had his communion in homes. The Holy Spirit fell in the home, not in the temple. Jesus instructed his disciples in homes. Homes is really where church and the teachings of Jesus took root in people's lives. When Jesus went to glory, his early church would meet in homes daily, the Bible says, daily and break the bread. Daily. Imagine having a cell group every day. People are like, man, God, bring us back to the book of Acts. <laughs> are you sure? Because we complain about having church once a week. Imagine daily. The Bible says daily they met in homes. In homes is where life happens. It's where you're connected with other people. It's where you're raising those people. It's where you're guiding the person that got saved. Hey, this is where you read. This is what you study. Oh, you're going through this. Let us agree together. Let's pray together. You're going through this struggle. Let's, let's stand in a gap together. So this is home. But how many of you know that once kids grow up, you have to then sign them up and send them to school. School speaks of training. School speaks of, remember how Jesus says in the Great Commission, He says, go and make disciples, baptizing them. And then He says, teaching them. Part of the discipleship strategy that every church needs to have is also some kind of a training. The training has to have a purpose so that people can now reproduce this process. Training is not only so that they know the foundations and don't fall from faith. The purpose of training is so that they can become spiritual parents for other people. So they can be matured and be trained to do this for other people. Now, Matthew chapter 9, I read this on Sunday, I'll read it again. When he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep that had no shepherd. Therefore, he said to his disciples, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest field. Kids are born in a hospital, but they are raised at home. Write this down. People need pastors, not just a good pasture. On Sunday, people get pasture, but they need Monday through Friday, they need pastors. They need somebody, it's kind of like this, they need parents. Babies don't just need a doctor and a nurse. A baby needs a parent. A pastor is like a doctor, but a home group leader, a small group leader is the parent. And so many people, they come to church and they say, well, you know, this is my pastor. Yes, he's your pastor in the sense that he's preaching the word, but he's not necessarily going to be the one who's going to walk every step of the way. Because if the church is bigger than 12 people or 70 people, he just can't do that. So that's why the doctors in the hospital do not raise children. What they do is they help to birth children. They help to heal children. They help to give you instruction. And then the parent who might not be a doctor, a parent who does not know much about health as comparison to the doctor, who didn't go to school for 20 years or 15 years, but a parent is the one that will care for that child, raise that child, and, and trans, transmit a character into the child's life. And that's what spiritually we need. Not just good pastor, good Sunday morning sermon and experience, but every believer, new believer especially, need a pastor, a spiritual parent. But as I mentioned, part of discipleship is development, meaning training, school. Training and teaching is, is with the goal to produce leaders who will lead masses, not just people who have heads full of knowledge. A lot of churches, they start these trainings for their new believers. But the purpose of those trainings is only to teach them to know, you know, about their faith, which is good. We don't send kids just into school just to fill their heads with knowledge so they can become responsible adults. And our goal, every parent's goal is to those kids will eventually leave our homes and start their own families. That's the ultimate goal. And the ultimate success of every parent is you raise the child that is now reproducing, doing what you did to them. They're multiplying. 
That's spiritually exactly how the plan of the Lord is. This is what it means to make disciples. Matthew chapter 14 verses 18 through 20 it says, Bring them, them meaning bread, to, to me. And he commanded the multitudes to sit down. He took the five loaves and two fish. Looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke. I want you to notice, he gave the loaves to the disciples. And the disciples gave it to the multitudes. That means that Jesus wants to give his vision, his teaching to disciples, to pastors, to leaders. And then he wants these people to pass it on to others. So many people say, well, I just want Jesus to teach me. No. It's kind of like this. You don't give birth to a child and leave him in the open on the street and say, I just want the Holy Spirit to raise them. That is not wise. That is not responsible. We have to take responsibility. God gives us the bread. He wants us to pass it on to another generation. He wants us to pass it on every person who considers himself a disciple of Jesus, is responsible to receive the teaching, the guidance from Jesus and pass it on to the multitudes. Pass it on to the people that we win. What we like to do sometimes is take this bread and eat it. And we're like, well, this tasted really good instead of passing it on to the next generation and passing it on to the next people because we're like, man, I'm just so busy. I finally got the time to feed myself. I don't have time to feed anybody else. But this is the part of what it means to be a disciple. Now, here are the four steps. Save, deliver, disciple, and send. So once somebody gets saved, Lost people need to get saved. This can happen in the mall. This can happen in the house. This can happen in the church. Secondly is people who are saved need to be pastored. Part of the pastoring is deliverance. Part of the pastoring is being connected to another believer. Part of the pastoring is being taught. These new people, they need to know, where do I start reading the Bible? Part of the pastoring is they need to deal with some of their immediate hurts and sufferings and somebody needs to come alongside and deliver them and, de and pastor them. After they get pastored, they deal with their hurts, they deal with their demons, they deal with some of the things that are holding them back. Then we start training them. You don't start training them right away because if they come in with demons, they come in broken, they come in uh, scattered, uh, shattered. Like you don't tell, you don't take an infant to, to, to a university. You give them a crib, not a college. So same thing, new believers, they don't need right away, hey, I want you to read Michael Heiser, Unseen Realm, you know, or I want you to, you know, take Bob Larson's classes, or they, they need just a basic understanding of first. They need to be pastored, they need to be delivered, and then they need to be trained. Trained, meaning pastor people need to be trained, but to what purpose, to what end? So they can be sent, so they can, so that the trained people can get mobilized. Now the the words that I like to use a lot of times is draft, deliver, develop, and deploy. They all started with these. So draft meaning we recruit people into Jesus' team. We deliver those people. We develop those people through the teachings of Jesus. And we deploy those people into the field for God's work. Amen. Now, let's give you another, so I'm presenting a different terminology just to kind of place it in. Think of baseball. The first base, no, 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 the first base, and this is to believe. When somebody believes, the goal is to bring them to the second base is where they belong. It's when they get pastored. And from the second base to the third base is where they get built. Probably built, not D. And then from the third base to the fourth, this is where the home run hits when they become disciple makers so we gotta hit the home run and a lot of times what happens in the church is that number one is that people are just shooting balls everywhere and running everywhere they don't have a clear-cut goal they don't have a clear-cut like point of what's what's next for me oh yeah sign up and serve on Sunday morning but what's next after that well you know maybe start a small group but why so that other people you know don't get lonely in church but this outlines a very specific purpose where you go to first base, you belong. You believe, I'm sorry, you believe in Christ, now you're in the first base. The second base is that you get connected to the church, you get connected to other believers, you go through deliverance. And then, now you're ready 
We, we want you to start getting stronger in the Lord. We want you to start getting understanding and being built so that you can hit a home run. What is the home run? You can become a disciple maker. What is the home run? So you can be the laborer that Jesus is talking about that will go into all the world and begin to win other people for Jesus. Amen. Now let's look at Ezekiel chapter 37 verses 7 through 8. So I prophesied and as I was commanded and as I prophesied there was a noise and suddenly a rattling and the bones came together bone to bone. Indeed as I looked the sinews and the flesh came upon them and the skin covered over them and there was no breath in them. And he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy son of man and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds of breath and breathe on these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me and breath came into them and they lived. That's the number one step is people get saved. But I want you to notice the number two is they stood on their feet. So that's number two and number three because feet, there's two feet and pretty much stood on their feet so they lived meaning they became born again they they believed standing on their feet meaning a person belongs to the body now and the person is built they're standing on their feet to what end so they can be an exceedingly great army pretty much God is saying I want to turn an audience into an army I want people to be saved I want people to be delivered I want people to be discipled stand on both feet so they can become soldiers and an army in my kingdom now this is from Rick Warren again I'm pointing the same thing just from a different angle right now uh, this is from Rick and Rick uh, Rick Warren where there's a community these are people who don't come to church there's the crowd these are the people that visit Sunday morning they have not made a con confession of faith congregation these are the people who said I am a Christian and this is my church these are the people who actually commit to serving in church tithing but this is the core people are like man I'm here anytime the church is open but that's the ultimate goal is the ones who actually go and do something about reaching the world not just like hey I'm always at church I'm always here but actually I am commissioned to do what the Lord has commissioned me and the church to do so this is the and the closer you get to the commission the smaller the circle becomes because this is huge, that's our community. This is smaller, this is smaller, smaller, smaller. And sometimes this is just very, very small. And in, un, unfortunately, in a lot of churches, this doesn't even exist. There's just a core of people who do worship, who serve on Sunday morning, but they don't evangelize. Because they're so busy doing the church's activities and programs, they don't actually have time to reach to the world that is dying. Last verse that I'm going to, last verses that I'm going to share with you, Genesis 14, 14. And now when Abram heard that his brother was taken captive, he armed his 318 trained servants who were born in his house and they went into pursuit. So I want you to notice, born, that's number one. Um, they were trained and they were armed, two and three, and they went in pursuit. So Abraham practiced this 300 guys they were born in his house meaning it's kind of like symbolically they're saved but they were not just born there they didn't they didn't wear diapers all their life he started to get them connected he started to train them and guess what happened he armed them he told them you can be used by the Holy Spirit you can prophesy you can cast out demons and they were not just doing rehearsals all the time then he went with them to pursue those people that captured his brother Lot so that's the vision of discipleship. Amen. Practically, practically, how are we going to do it? It starts with pastors first. Discipleship is not something pastors can delegate and make it a department. It has to be the direction, not a department. So if you take your notes, just kind of, it starts with, with the top. And discipleship cannot be delegated. It has to be a direction, not a department. The moment you make discipleship, a department meaning, oh, I have a person in my church, he oversees the discipleship. This is when you know discipleship will not happen as a culture of the church. Few people will do it, but it's not for everybody. 
Go and make disciples was not a department. Jesus made it as a direction of the church. So pastors have to get on board. Um, they have to make it a direction instead of a um, department. And it's not something that can be delegated. And then pastors need to take few key leaders and begin to disciple them with the goal that these will do that to other group of their leaders as well. So how would that look in, in Hungry Gen is that the first Monday of the month, I meet with a, with a core team. And there's a little bit less than about 12 guys that Lana has the similar thing with the girls. The next Monday, they meet with their leaders. And the goal is that the Monday after that, they meet with their leaders. So that each person has a connection to somebody and a connection to a larger group of brothers and sisters. The goal is not that, oh, he is my leader. No, the goal is that I also have brothers and I have sisters. Now we mainly do it men with men, women with women. The reason being is that that's the way Jesus modeled it. It does help when it's the same gender because when it comes to accountability, when it comes to confession of sin, when it comes to struggles, you can avoid a lot of adultery and a lot of um, attraction that should not happen if you keep men with men, women with women. The mistake that could happen is if the pastor begins to have, you know, have 10 disciples and they're all women. And they usually end up coming and talking about their husbands, how their husbands are not paying attention to them. And you know, and these precious, God bless their soul women, you know, look at this pastor like, man, he understands me. And then begins to, then we begin to develop problems. Um, if it's not soul ties, then what begins to develop is actually these attachments. And then sooner or later, uh, you, will, you can see huge problems there. And so, and then the pastor's wife is not involved, uh, then his relationship with his own wife will begin to suffer. So with this vision of discipleship, it works really well when a pastor is married and his wife also buys into the vision and she doesn't have to be a preacher, she doesn't have to be an apostle, she doesn't have to be a worship leader, but what she does have to be is somebody who loves Jesus, loves her husband, submits to her husband and submits to the vision of Jesus Christ and says, hey, I'm willing to also meet with women and then love these women, disciple these women and remind these women is um, since they all can talk, they can talk for the glory of God and actually disciple others. The goal is not to just bring chosen, cool, amazing people from the team to be your part of your core. The goal is to take the people who be willing to reproduce and multiply. Okay, so that's the leadership structure. Now people don't become part of the leadership until they first have a cell group, a small group, a life group. What is the difference between this meeting that I have with my team of leaders and the meeting that these leaders have in their homes? The difference is very simple. One is a closed group. The other one is an open group. Closed group is only with leaders. Open group is for people who don't know Jesus that these leaders have this like house church. So closed group, open group. Closed group is where I do it with leaders and then open group is where these leaders now keep their home open and bring new people, people that get saved, people that meet in their group. The goal for every leader is to raise enough leaders from their open group to close it and only have a meeting with their leaders. So it gives each person a chance to make disciples and grow the kingdom of God. Instead of just pastor having group of leaders, every person in the church can have a group of disciples of Jesus who can now, who are now leading others who need continuous shepherding and guidance. The benefit of this system or path is this. Instead of multiplying my small group and let's say that I'm leading a small group then he branches out, starts his own group because my group grew. So now I don't see him anymore. Our relationship that we've built is broken. Now he's on his own, I am on my own. I'm breaking, I'm building these relationships and then I'm breaking these relationships. But what this does is that, let's say that I've developed relationship with this group and they all started groups. Now I keep having this relationship with them as a mentorship because they are leaders and this unity we've built is not broken. It's actually being deepened because now they all have these ministries, 
ministering to others and I'm coaching them, walking with them and they don't feel like they're walking alone and they don't feel like they invested into relationships that are broken now and dissipated. Okay, so that's just kind of like in a nutshell. On the other side in here, the church develops a very simple process where new believers are put into a training called life class or how to begin your walk with Christ. Life class is about 10 weeks how to live your Christian life. When new believers on the top of going to small groups, go through the training of what it means to follow God, what it means to be free. And then right in the middle of that life class is what we call an encounter, or sometimes we call it a hungry gen, a freedom weekend. It's not like a prayer line. It's more of like Friday and Saturday where people go through like counseling where they go through these sessions of renouncing, soul ties, purity. It's like a really, really powerful uh, weekend where these new believers go through. It's only for those who are in this pipeline of learning what it means to be in God. It's not like, hey, I just want to come and set free. The goal is that your freedom has a purpose and that is for you to become a follower of Jesus Christ. And then when they finish that life class, then they start what we call a destiny training. Destiny training is 10 weeks, three, three seasons of 10 weeks each where they learn about leadership, where they learn about prayer, where they learn about intercession, where they learn about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Of course, in a, in a more of a basic level and the goal is when you're done with destiny training, you start your own small group. Now it's intense, it's a lot of training, a lot of uh, work that it takes, but like for example, if you want to be a mall cop, the training is very minimal. If you want to be a Navy SEAL, the training is intense. So the question is this, a lot of times we, in the church, what we do is we try to put in the minimum in and expect the maximum out. We expect Navy SEALs, but we do mall training, mall cop training, you know, uh, mall uh, in, or just like a, you know, a lot of those guys, they're just completely overweight, they're not, you know, and if trouble happens, they have to call, you know, the real cops. <laughs> and so, and that's what happens in the church a lot of times is we have people just, they're just not equipped. They're just not trained and they're just not motivated because there is no goal. And what is the goal? The goal is to have, make disciples. Like Jesus says, to win souls and make disciples. Now, are there other systems? Yeah. So in the world, there is really, there's the American way of doing it, which is usually like this. There's very little motivation to win souls and make disciples. There's very little motivation to multiply. The small groups are ran in seasons. Whoever wants to start a small group, starting a small group, it's kind of like doing any ministry in the church. There's small groups and there's other ministries. You don't want to do it, you don't have to. Just do it for a few weeks. It's all around fun. It's all around your interests. It does not have a specific purpose. It does not have a specific goal and multiplication is encouraged, it's never expected. And you don't have to bring the lost, just try to bring some people from the church for a little uh, spiritual cuddle and a little Bible study. Okay, how it's done around the world where churches grow to 700,000, 300,000, 70,000 and actually shake their cities for God. How it's done there is very different. It's extremely strategic. It's extremely focused. It's focused on prayer and fasting. It's focused on evangelism. Everyone's home is viewed as a place where new people should come to know the Lord. Every believer is seen as a potential future pastor leader for new believers. And they are trained for that. They are equipped for that. Some people go through it and like, oh, this is not for me. But majority of people catch the vision. And guess what happens? Is everybody experiences to bring people to Jesus, disciple people, and everyone is engaged. And Sunday morning becomes pretty much us celebrating what God did during the week instead of coming in to get fed because we're so depleted during the week. So that's kind of how a lot of the church is structured all around the world versus how the church is structured um, in the United States. And so majority of the United States system with discipleship is um, personally, I think it's very weak and it's very shallow. And most of the pastors that I talk to, this is one area they always complain about, our discipleship system. But we can't, 
we can't implement this thing that is happening around the world. It's too hard. Our people won't buy into it. It's very difficult. And it is very difficult. That's why I think if a pastor does not have the understanding and the revelation first, he won't be able to bring it to the team and to the leaders. And so sometimes what we need to do, which what we are going to do, what we are doing already, you actually live right in the middle of it right now, is number one, we bring those pastors here so they expose us to that truth, like Bishop Oriel. Right after Race to Deliver, Pastor Jason Lozano is going to come as well, just to expose our church. And then in a few months, we will take some of our leaders and go there. So we become exposed to what the Lord is doing around the world. Because, you know, we can be here a thousand people, 600 people, and the numbers doesn't matter. What matters is how many people are going to hell. That's what matters. You know, we can feel comfortable that our building is packed, but God doesn't feel comfortable that heaven is not being populated. So this is not about packing stadiums even. This is about emptying hell as much as we can. And so God's concern is to populate heaven. And God's concern is that hell is pretty much is bankrupt. That is what God's concern is. And so, and the, a lot of these places, they're, they're very intentional about this. And so adding supernatural miracles, casting out demons and everything will cause this to explode. So we expose our church there. We bring it here and expose our church here. And then slowly but surely, we begin to feed it in our sermons and we begin to provide some processes that the church begins to kind of be involved and engaged in it. We train our believers and we give them a specific goal. Um, like for example, Bryson's um, aunt, you know, went to, um, actually it was Bryson's mom and led her to the Lord. Not only led her to the Lord, cast out demons and Bryson's mom got delivered and got saved, got radically saved radically delivered and i won't mention all of the stuff she got delivered from i'll leave that testimony probably for bryson this sunday and then she starts going to her house every other day telling her what to read praying with her you know and that's really kind of what discipleship and and somebody could say oh man every other day that's a lot of work but see like when you lead this person to the lord and they're on fire for god like you you gotta be there you gotta walk with them and though we don't have this right now strict system for the church but she is already organically walking this system out and she's serving and now you know bryce's mom is a church she's now telling her co-workers about the lord she's reading the scriptures she is renouncing things she walked away from the those those bad things in in the life and then you know bryce's aunt now is going to other family members and prophesying delivering them and leading them to Christ now imagine every okay 50% of people doing that imagine how crazy the Spirit of God will move through each and every believer that's not just dependent on Sunday morning but it's done every single every believer has the same access every believer pretty much is supposed to be a, a junior pastor junior pastor because who's the senior pastor the Holy Spirit not the senior pastor, Vlad is not the senior pastor. The pastor is the Holy Spirit. The senior pastor is the Holy Spirit. I just came from the, uh, from the mountain and, and I, I literally, even this morning as I was walking with the Lord, I said, Lord, I resign. I said, Lord, I'm going to put all the pressure of the church on you right now. From now on, you're the senior pastor and I'm the little pastor. And I'm just here. The reason why I'm in the midst of a busy season right now in our life, the reason why I'm spending time a whole day or two nights over there in some other city, because I'm a, I'm a junior pastor. You're the senior pastor. Tell me what to do. Tell me what to do next. I need your, I need your help. And you need to worry about the church. I, I can't save these people. I can't even... You are the one that can do that. And so, and that's where... And then now all other junior pastors begin to open their homes for the church. Guess what begins to happen? Crazy. I mean, imagine if Hannah, you become the pastor now. Your home becomes the church. You begin to look for 12, 15 people. You begin to care for them. No more than 12 because even Jesus out of 12, one went, went cuckoo and stuff. So, so let's just say 12, 15 people. You begin to bring them every single week to your house. They begin to pray together. They begin to build a community. They will feel known. They will feel connected. They will feel discipled. It's around the Word of God. And then after you see that they're ready, they get some training and they're encouraged to do exactly the same. Once you put a little, little bit of responsibility on people, they mature faster. Versus you keep feeding, 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 feeding. Like if all you do is eat, you can die out of obesity. But if you have food and then you do a little bit of exercise, you become a healthy human being same thing spiritually so that's kind of what the discipleship model looks like so for those of you who are going to come back next year 
this thing is gonna change. Few things. Next year in internship, we're not going to have um, small group for interns. We will have interns join a small group in the church, but only one or two interns for small group. Not like 27 interns coming to one small group <laughs> and overwhelming, but um, one or two. And during, during that three month period, so that the interns will experience the church's life. And so the person that you went to the Lord on Sunday night, you'll have a per place to bring them to. And you'll be connected to other believers. So in case you ever visit Hungry Gen, you're not just looking for another intern, you're looking for somebody actually in the church that you know already. And we will remove this thing where people come back and they're like, I, I don't know anybody. That's gonna be gone. Because you'll be connected to a small group that is actually in the local church. Well, not you guys, because you're not going to be coming back, but uh, the other ones that will be coming back and stuff. So I'm planting seeds somewhere you might come back. And so, um, so yeah, so that's going to be kind of the, and there's a few other things that I'm not at liberty to share right now, because I think this is enough already. But did this give you guys kind of like a little picture of what, yeah? Anybody have any questions? Pastor, right? How would you introduce this idea to a senior pastor and um, what if they don't comply? <laughs> wow, you became the senior pastor and they don't listen to you, huh? They just forgot that they're not the senior pastor. So this is unfortunate is that you can't, you can't create that. Now you can start on your own this is what I, I would I was make suggestions. I would give them some resources. I would try to bring them uh, an exposure to that. And then if they still don't answer to that, then I would ask for permission to um, do a, um, a light version of it by having a permission to start a small group yourself. And if they don't resist that idea and you can start a small group yourself, then I would run it. It won't be as perfect for the whole church, um, but maybe the Lord will use that the fruit from that to um, kind of let the senior pastor realize, okay, there's something more to it. And then you can, you know, kind of send them to more content. Um, the Master Plan of Evangelism book is a very, very good, it's written by a, a professor many, many years ago, Dr. Billy Graham said, he says, if I were to start a church, I would do exactly what the Master Plan of Evangelism book says. It's like a very old book actually, written by an American professor. Pretty much talks about how Jesus won the world through, uh, like Bishop Oriel shared, selected the 12, formed the 12, sent the 12. And so, except it's written by a professor in the United States. A little bit difficult to read because it's a academic, more of an academic book instead of written for practical laity, but still a very good book, read it many times. And so that's what I would encourage. I would expose them. And then if they're not taking the bite, I would ask for permission to start one yourself. And then um, the key, for the small groups to grow is for them to constantly have new people who are either brand new to the Lord or not saved yet. And then to have the people there be taking care of new people. So it's not just you always doing it, but other team members as well doing it. This is what the life is. If you're simply just fishing on Sunday morning, trying to bring people from Sunday morning church to a small group, that's like going fishing in a bathtub. You're not gonna catch much there. So the goal is to fish in the world, co-workers, neighbors, um, friends. And so, um, so that's why what typically happens is that the church begins to set goals. That once in three months we will have an outreach service and every cell group has to be praying for, let's say, three people. Every person praying for three people. So we're believing, we're praying, we're fasting for them. And then we take that one day where we all evangelize to them. And then we try to bring them to a cell group or to a Sunday service. The goal is to bring them to a home group even if they don't come to Sunday service. So I've seen this work in a lot of uh, churches, but mainly overseas. When I was in Philippines, honestly, it, it, three years ago, this, this would change my, my understanding of the church. I was just waiting for the right time that we fully implemented. And we started to just bits and pieces. It was then the COVID happened. And so um, um, what I saw in Philippines is a high school filled with youth. The principal shut down high school because of so many of his youth we're going to church, the church that I went to speak at. So they shut down the uh, school on Friday. They dismissed those students to go and be part of this revival. And then the goal was this, that every student 
was actually seeking to, for two months they were praying, I think for three, I think it's for three people, they were praying for, so you don't tell them about Jesus for, three, for two months, you just pray, every day you pray for them. So you pray for the person that you're going to school and then you plant the seeds. So like if they need help with moving, you go show up there. So you plant the seeds, like they don't know, you're actually, they're actually being worked on spiritually already. And so, and then at the right time, which is usually was the week before this event, you would tell them, say, hey, what are you doing on Friday? I would love to invite you. And so when you've been praying for them and you've been planting these seeds, typically, typically there's already a connection and people out of sense of obligation will even come. But because of something that's happening in the spiritual realm already, usually they respond. So crazy part is this, I'm giving an altar call. I haven't even finished the statement of giving an altar call and people already walking with their threes. So the point, I'm thinking like it's such a great revival, the Holy Spirit's convicting. And then they tell me, they're like, these people already have been one to the Lord on the way to the meeting. They were just waiting for you to give a call so they can publicly. So they were like, the leaders just couldn't get, uh, pay, uh, they weren't impatient that you were taking too long for the altar call. So they just took their people, they're like, yeah, that, that's the part that we go. So, and I'm literally still talking. No exaggeration, 500 people gave their life to Christ and just one after another walking in and you see their leader who has been praying, fasting, some bringing their mom, some bringing their sisters and so and they're like, the leader's crying because you know like finally this person, my co-workers, right, you're like give me the life to Jesus and so and I'm standing there, it was just incredible and then they have a group to bring these people to the next day that the whole group is celebrating because they're like, look we've been praying for you, we've been fasting, this has been intentional, you know, you didn't just come for no reason and then they're, they're telling these people that in two weeks we start this life class you need to be a part of this so you can learn more about Jesus and so and it starts this process where people and this is like everyday believers these are not special people these are not some uh, people who are on a full-time staff uh, in the church they're they have full-time jobs they have full-time school some of them just just school and so but they're just on fire evangelizing like that so you know I don't know uh, that just that just wrecked me I was like man this is what Christian life looks like where everyday believer um, and they're not bored you look in their eyes there's fire when they start praying, like it's, it's, it's incredible. And it's not because, and there's not like much of like even deliverance or like supernatural. There is supernatural, but not on the level that I would say we see here. Um, and I'm thinking if you add the supernatural to that component and teach people how to prophesy, cast the demons, heal the sick. I mean, this, this would be unstoppable. So that's what I believe the Lord is preparing. And slowly we're bringing this into hungry gen because I want to see an army, uh, not a babysitting club. So we are still trying to figure out what that would look like online. So the Destiny training will be remade most likely if we were to do it online. Uh, so the plan for now, we're talking with Pastor Ilya, is to have these leaders online do an online group and start locally evangelizing and reaching to people uh, online. And then on Sunday morning, the people that they brought to Christ to watch live stream on Sunday. So that's kind of the plan. But we don't know how practically that will actually be utilized because quite few of online members are a part of other churches and other ministries. And so, so right now our focus will be more of in-person and then the only thing that's going to happen online is we will just pretty much encourage them to begin to evangelize locally, win souls for Christ locally and then to also organize some kind of a local group that will watch Sunday morning services which will become the watch party. And most likely Destiny training will be redone because the way Destiny training this one was done, it's really good. It just lacks a clear purpose of turning these people into disciple makers. Awesome guys. So next week I might just go a little bit deeper into just kind of more, more understanding. I really want us to um, grasp this as interns, um, as students as well. And um, because, you know, we'll talk about, you know, Everett um, is going to talk about social media one of these days about how to communicate in the digital age. And there's a lot of other things, but I really want to also to just communicate that, that discipleship component of, um, of ministry that you can take it back home and just and at least to be exposed to it. How much of it can you put into practice? When that time will come, that's going to depend on the season that you're in, the season that your church is in, but at least that you'll be exposed and have a point of reference to have in, even in the notes to say, okay, this is what we could do. And then, you know, come to your pastor, say, I've been spending time with God. God revealed this to me and pretty much give him my notes and say, this is what God revealed to you while you are spending time with him at Hungry Gen on Tuesday at one o'clock. 
Amen. Amen. God, I pray in the name of Jesus that you will begin to give us a deeper understanding. I pray that you will begin to give us just a deeper revelation of what it means to be believers, to be disciples and to follow you, Lord God. We submit to your vision, Jesus. Um, a lot of us don't know what that would look like in our life, Lord. We have so many things that we're doing already. Would you reveal that from your word as we read the gospels, as we read your word, Lord? Would you help us to understand it more? Lord, that we use all this, these tools that you've given us, God, for the purpose of fulfilling your great commission. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen, amen. Thank you for listening to this episode. I hope you were encouraged, challenged, and also blessed. As always, don't forget to subscribe as well as to leave a review so that it could help us to reach other people. And share this episode with your friends and your family on social media. If God puts on your heart to support this ministry, your support will help us to reach more people for Jesus. Go to my website and you can find out so much more free resources from reading plans, blogs, e-courses, and so much. And all of my stuff is free of charge. God bless you. Until next time.